This is the Reading Instruction Show. I'm your host, Dr. Andy Johnson. Topic of today's podcast, using direct and explicit instruction to teach skills in reading. Now, let's find out what it is. Direct instruction is a structured form of teaching where students receive information directly from the teacher. All teachers use direct and explicit instruction in some form to teach necessary skills. However, direct instruction should be thought of as a pedagogical skill, not as a method or approach to reading instruction. That is, it should not ever be used as the sole form of reading instruction. Sadly, this is too often the only type of instruction that struggling readers get in remedial and special education classrooms, just a whole bunch of direct instruction. Now, let's find out the basic elements of direct instruction. It comes in a variety of forms. Below are the basic elements of what is necessary to effectively teach a skill of any kind. And again, we all believe, I believe in very direct and very explicit instruction as a pedagogical skill, but not as a method. So, direct instruction, it contains a purpose statement. A clearly defined purpose statement is a statement that describes exactly what you want to, students to learn. All right? It defines the learning experience and provides focus for the lesson. You're not simply designing an interesting experience or creating a fun activity. Instead, you're planning a purposeful learning experience to teach a specific skill. Now, purpose statements are in alignment with cognitive psychology and neuroscience. A purpose statement is a single sentence that defines exactly what you want students to learn or be able to do. For example, students will learn about the short A sound. Students will learn how to make story predictions. Students will learn about the SP beginning blend. I recommend using these as they seem to replicate the kind of teaching that successful teachers use when planning their lesson. Purpose statements also keep the focus on student learning versus assessing learning or teachers, not measures. Now, some people believe you should use behavioral objectives. Behavioral objectives are in alignment with behavioral psychology. Behavioral objective is a single sentence that defines learning in terms of the behavior you'd like to see as a result of instruction. I do not agree with these. There are differing views on purpose statements and behavioral objectives for lesson plans. However, IEPs require behavioral objectives. Lesson plans do not. Whether purpose statements or behavioral objectives, and I think it should be a purpose statement, everything that follows in the lesson plan, in the lesson, should support it. If the information does not support the purpose statement or objective, do not include it. Now, a word about assessment. Many approaches to skills instruction include a plan for assessment right after the behavioral objective. This is where you describe exactly how you determine if the behavioral objective has been met. I do not recommend including assessment as one of the basic elements of direct instruction. It's my experience that 
teaching tends to be more effective if the focus is on effective teaching and student learning versus assessment of learning. And we get all whooped up about assessment and we forget the learning part of teaching. But how do you know if learning has occurred, you ask? The more important question is this. How do you know if good teaching has occurred? Focus on the teaching first and learning takes care of itself. There are times and places to assess learning. You do not need to assess every lesson or skill taught. <clears throat> Remember, learning is seldom, if ever, complete after a single encounter with any skill or concept. Instead, students need to review, re-engage, reflect, practice, and apply new skills before they are learned and mastered. A more effective approach to assessment is to collect small bits of meaningful data at specific places in the curriculum to see if and to what degree learning is taking place. In this way, assessment reflects collecting soil samples. You don't dig up the whole lawn to see what kind of soil you have. Instead, you take small bits from different parts of the lawn. As well, teacher reflection is part of assessment. Effective teachers automatically engage in formative types of reflection to assess the effectiveness of their lessons during the lesson as learning is forming. They also engage in summative types of reflection to assess the effectiveness of their teaching after the lesson. This type of reflection is also included in an analysis of whether and to what degree their teaching practice was aligned with a body of research related to teaching and learning. Again, an IEP requires an assessment plan along with specific benchmarks that reflect a behavioral objective. A lesson plan does not. People in special ed often get those confused. But the big point is this. Assessment should never get in the way of students learning. Sadly, too often it does. All right, we've looked at the purpose statement. The second part is the input. The input is the specific information that students need to know. For a skills lesson plan, that would include a description of the skill, how to use it, and the specific steps. Now, this input should be well organized with a logical structure to enhance students' understanding. Now, in my class, I require students to use a list or an outline form so that students can easily see the sequence and structure both during the planning of the lesson and during the teaching. In planning your input, always assume students know nothing. Then identify exactly what it is they need to know in order to learn the skill. So part of the input is identification of the procedural components. If the skill involves several steps, introduce the skill and the specific steps. Describe what it is and why it's used and how it's used. However, many reading subskills such as identifying letter sounds or recognizing words with letter patterns do not have specific steps. In this case, you simply introduce the subskill. The next part of input is modeling or demonstration or examples. Here you describe how the skill might be used and you model it 
by thinking out loud while going through each step or showing students, all right? If you're teaching a reading sub-skill, such as a letter pattern or sound, you want to provide many examples here. For example, with the short A lesson plan, I show, show students many examples of short A words. They would see them and then be able to practice reading them several times. All right, so we have the uh, purpose statement. We have the input. The most important part of a skills lesson plan is guided practice sometimes referred to as scaffold instruction. Here the teacher takes the whole class through each step of the skill several times with a gradual release of responsibility. The goal is to provide students the support necessary for them to use the skill independently. So they should be able to use or apply and practice the skill several times as you, the teacher, monitor the performance and able to assess their learning. That's formative assessment. Gradual release of responsibility means that you have less and less a part of it, all right? Small group activities can be effective here because they enable you to see many students simultaneously and hear their thought processes as they discuss ideas with others. Guided practice should get students ready to use the skill independently during independent practice. That's your goal. Now, the next one is independent practice. This is the application of what students already know or can do. It's used to reinforce what you taught. If you are successful, students should be able to do this with 95 to 100% success ratio. This is not, the goal of independent practice is not to challenge students, is to reinforce and practice learning. You want students to apply or use the skill in some way, and it's practice. And again, this is not the place to challenge students. Even though activities here are often used for assessment, this is not the purpose. The purpose of independent practice, which is homework, homework should be independent practice, is to reinforce something already learned. There are other times and other places to assess learning. So, so far we've got the purpose statement, we've got the input, we've got guided practice, We've got independent practice, and the last part is revisit, review, and reapply. As I've said in other places, mastery of any skill does not happen in a single setting. Learners must encounter new skills in a variety of situations and settings over time for mastery to occur. All right, this has been the Reading Instruction Show today. We have looked at the basic elements of direct instruction for teaching a reading skill, but this applies to any skill in any curriculum area.